Hey, what's going on, y'all? Y'all good? It's good to see you. Hey, I got to take a picture for, uh, for my Chi Alpha. We're an hour behind y'all, and we're going to be starting in uh, like just a couple minutes. So smile real big. Okay, we good. I got to text my people and be like, hey, pray for us. Uh, leaders of the Forge. And I'm going to do it right now. Doing it. Pray for us. Let's go. Okay, cool. Well, uh, Chris, or Christopher, as he's known here in West Virginia. Hey, Siri. Hey, nothing, man. I'm good. I'm turning this off. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Chris, uh, or Christopher, as you guys know him, uh, kind of took the first eight lines of my message from me. Uh, I am Jason Goldsberry, as he said. I am one of the pastors at Sam Houston State University in Huntsville, Texas, uh, which is about 70 miles uh, north of downtown Houston, or two hours, depending on the time of day that you drive in. And I was the resource leader, it's true, of Christopher, Ian, and Frankie Fabian, who's here. And so uh, my wife, uh, unfortunately, could not be here. She's with our Kai Alpha tonight. Yeah, my wife and I were going to be putting in our application to make a uh, transition to being a career missionary overseas here in just a couple weeks. Hey, that's her. So, yeah, it was two weeks ago. Uh, so that's, that's fresh picture, right? That's not like the five-year-old engagement picture or something, right? So, uh, man, it is really, really good to be here. This is my first time spending more than about 15 minutes in West Virginia. I drove through one of the, uh, the panhandles, as y'all call them. I uh, drove through it on the interstate, and it's like you blink, and you're, you're kind of in, and you're out, right? But this is my first time here, and uh, it is so, so intensely cool to see some of my old guys serving Jesus. And some of you, like Chris said, or Christopher, sorry, he was Chris at Sam Houston. I just, I'm just clarifying. Some of you guys, as Christopher said, are the fruit of their time and their tears and the trials and, and the time that they've spent away from their families back in Texas. You guys are the fruit of that. And so, man, five years ago, six years ago, who knew where the Lord would lead each one of us? And man, what, and who knows what God still has ahead for them? And who knows what God has ahead for you and me? He does, right? And one day, it's possible that you may be serving Jesus on another campus, or maybe in another nation, and you'll have the privilege that I have. And it's such just a privilege uh, to be able to not just be with you, but to deliver yourselves into the hands of God, and just say, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, and whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. So uh, we will be uh, talking a little bit tonight um, out of uh, the book of Genesis. We're going to be continuing the Joseph series, which you guys have been hearing. I, I hope that you've been hearing about Joseph. I was told that you were. So um, we're going to kind of, uh, you know, we're going to be going through a lot of scripture tonight. And not every scripture has its own slide. Uh, we could have done that, but we've probably been here for an hour. And I'm not going to be talking to you guys for an hour. I don't want to talk to you for an hour. So uh, we're going to be talking out of, 
We're going to be uh, basically about Joseph's imprisonment uh, in, out of Genesis 39, uh, chapter 39, 40, and 41. So that's three chapters. Obviously, we're going to be putting some scriptures up on the, up on the, on the board, on the, what do you call it, screen? Yeah, the board, whatever. Uh, we'll be putting some scriptures up here, but we're going to kind of just gloss over the high points, if you will. You, you, y'all with me? And so um, we're going to be, as you guys know, Joseph's story is basically a story of God sovereignly intervening in his life and working out, God working out his plan in spite of Joseph, some of Joseph's uh, youthful mistakes that he made and some of the selfish and kind of evil choices of others. And what we're going to be looking at specifically is that God actually raises Joseph from the status of being a prisoner to being second in command or second in authority in Egypt. That's a pretty big swing, right? That's a big, that's a big change. Man, I love being this close to you guys. I'm uh, at the Chi Alpha that we're in. We actually meet in the lower auditorium of our criminal justice building. And I'm on a stage like higher than this, and I'm way off. And I can't like really see more than about three rows back, but I can see all y'all. So this is great. So we're going to kind of take a, a, little, a little bit of a running start at the backstory, uh, which you may or may not have already heard, uh, maybe because you may have been here, you may not have been here, but the main thing is I wasn't here, and I don't know exactly what's been said. So if I repeat some of this, uh, if you've heard some of this before, you could hear it again. So forgive me, right? So basically what you can do is you can kind of just, if you will, just kind of just think of me as like a tour guide as we, as we go through a whole bunch of scripture together, okay? And we're going to be kind of like pointing out, you know, check this out. You know, how about check that out, right? And so uh, in Genesis 39, um, what happens is that Joseph, the story basically goes that Joseph is thrown into prison uh, as a result of being wrongfully accused of raping his master's wife. And that's a pretty serious deal today. That's a pretty serious deal then, too. And, but what actually happened is that he did not violate or rape his master's wife. What happened is she actually tried to set him up on multiple accounts. And she basically tried to seduce him. And, and then what turned, turned around when he, wouldn't, when he would not give in she then accused them of, of violating her. So it's not just a thing that happens today. This has been going, hey, this is in the book of Genesis, right? And so what happened, the last time that this, had, that this occurrence happened, it said, the scripture says Joseph fled from their house but accidentally left his cloak behind. A cloak is uh, not something we really wear today, but they wore it back in, in, in those days. And so what happens is she twists the story. How many of you have ever had somebody twist the story on you? They kind of twist something you said or twist something that happened, and, and, what, and they, they paint a picture of that's not really truthful to what actually happened. And so what happens, she says something to the effect of, well, what happened is I screamed for help, and Joseph ran out, and he left his cloak. Well, guess what? That ain't what happened at all. So Joseph is imprisoned, and then a key verse comes into play in Genesis 39, 21. It says, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor 
in the eyes of the prison warden. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. If you got your Bibles, you can turn it, turn, you can kind of follow along with me. If you got your phones, your smartphones, um, you can go for it. I'm not going to be offended if you got your phone out. What I see here is that Joseph, who had been set up and had had the story twisted and was falsely accused in some ways, on the outside was in a bad place, but in actuality was not really in that bad a place because being imprisoned with God on your side is better than you being a free man without God. And one man or one woman plus God is a majority, no matter what the circumstances are. And so continue on in, ch in chapter 39, uh, if you kind of like, if you kind of want to read down with me, um, not only, you know, is Joseph in prison, but what eventually what happens is that he's actually given responsibility. And Joseph was so not just faithful, but competent in the responsibilities that is given that he actually didn't even require oversight. Well, that's crazy to me. That was like, man, that's a miracle. Can you imagine being in prison and given responsibility and they don't even like give you oversight? That's pretty cool. I just stuck out to me. The scripture says that Joseph, that God gave Joseph success in whatever he did. And obviously, the Lord's presence and the Lord's favor was with, was with him. Had to been, right? And so continuing on, I'm, I'm summarizing. I'm going to keep summarizing here. Uh, we're in chapter, uh, you flip the page, right? You're in chapter 40. Uh, chapter 40 begins basically with uh, Pharaoh's cupbearer and his chief baker end up joining Joseph in prison. Now, I don't know what a cupbearer did wrong, and I don't know what the baker did wrong, but they got thrown in the prison, and they're with Joseph. And Joseph was given responsibility, and as I understand it, he was given oversight over them. I think the scripture says in the NIV that he attended to them. He attended them. That's an interesting wording to me. I think the best way to oversee something. I'm sure that a lot of you guys in here have been given oversight. You, most of all, I'm at WVU, which I assume is pretty, pretty competent. It's a lot more competent than Sam Houston State is. I've been on your campus and talked to some smart people. When you've given oversight over something or someone, the best way to carry that out is to serve them. I think there's a scriptural principle in this that these folks being thrown in the prison with him wasn't necessarily Joseph, Joseph's idea. He didn't have anything to do with it, but he still attended them. That's cool. That's really cool. And so what happens, continuing the story, is that one night, both of these men who were thrown in the prison with Joseph, the cupbearer and the chief baker, both of these men have dreams. And then uh, they say, basically... Uh, and the scripture says, I think in verse 7, it says that they were sad because there was nobody there to interpret their dreams. Y'all ever have like a crazy dream and you just really wish that you, you could make heads or tails of it? I have. And sometimes you're like, man, did I eat too much chili last night? Or, Lord God, are you trying to tell me something? I've had some of those from not really sure. And I was like, man, I really wish the Lord would speak kind of clearly to me about some things. 
But it says in verse 7 that these men were sad because they had no person to interpret their dreams. And in verse 8, Joseph said, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. That's a cool verse. It really stuck, stuck out. And then these men told Joseph their dreams. And so what happens is that to the cupbearer, Joseph says, okay, I hear your, you told me you told what the dream. If you want to hear what the cupbearer's dream is, open your Bible to Genesis 40. You can read it. But Joseph says, all right, I hear what your dream is. This is what your dream means. It says that basically you're going to be restored to your, position, to your original position in three days. In three days, you're out of here, Jack. You're going to be right back. You're going to be serving the Pharaoh, and you're going to be right back to where you were, right? And to the chief baker, he says, in three, day, in three days, your head's going to be cut off, and the birds are going to eat your body. How about that? That's great news, right? Joseph, you're such a cool guy. <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> I just wonder, I wonder if Joseph was, like, really casual about it or whether he was, like, really afraid to say it or, I don't know. I always, I was like, what would it be like if I was in that position, you know? The reality is that sometimes if you are God's man or God's woman, you're going to have to break bad news to people. Telling somebody in three days the bird's going to eat them, are going to eat them, that's called bad news. And I think that this showed a lot of courage on Joseph's part. And he accurately interpreted the dreams of these two men. And he told them exactly what was going to happen, even though it wasn't all kittens and fuzzy blankets. Right? And there are some things that I think God says about people who choose to live their life in defiance to him that are sometimes hard and they're sometimes not popular, but it does not mean that it won't happen. I just can't help but think, I'm just thinking, when I, I like to just think when I'm reading the scripture, I'm just like, man, what does this guy, like, how does this guy feel about this? You know what I mean? Like, what does this got to be like? I'm thinking Joseph has to be like at an all-time low, Right? So uh, telling somebody that, that their head's going to be on a pole in three days, that's not really like a moral victory, okay? Right? He's in prison for something he didn't do. He's accurately interpreted two dreams. That, that's good, right? Thumbs up for that. Uh, he's had to deliver some pretty bad news. Thumbs down for that, right? Thumbs, thumbs up, depending on how you take it, right? And guess what happens? It says in the last verse of chapter 40 that the guy who delivered the good news to did not even remember him. <laughs> the guy who lived didn't even remember him. Just, and it, it gets kind of ironic here, and we'll kind of come back to that. How would you like to be remembered in the scripture as the guy who got ate by the birds? <laughs> That's got to suck. <laughs> it says the cupbearer did not even remember him. But somebody more important did, and that was God. And God remembered Joseph, and God knew where he was at. He knew under what circumstances he'd been thrown in the prison. He knew that of Joseph's innocence. He knew that the news that was delivered, he knew of Joseph's faithfulness. I just... Take comfort in that, that God knows. One of the scariest verses in the Bible to me is this. Actually, I want to share this with you. I think I have this on a slide. It's actually out of 1 Samuel. 
It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see as man does, for man sees the outward appearance, but the Lord sees the heart. Now, usually, this is interpreted as good news, like, oh, God, you know my heart. It can be good news, but this is a scary verse to me because there's been, place, there's been times in my life where I actually wish that the Lord, I would have rather the Lord looked at the outward appearance because of the condition of my heart. There's been times I did not I really want God to see deep into my heart. And the thing is, is that God not just saw my heart, he saw my motives. And he saw why I was doing the things I was doing. He saw the, who I was doing this for. And what I believe here is that Joseph's motives in interpreting these dreams could have been as a motive of, to like jockey for position, to just kind of get out of prison, right? Okay, I'll do you guys a solid and try to get out of prison, right? Or he could have done it, you know, to like, you know, to gain favor with people. I've had moments, like I said, just, Lord, please don't look at me. He obviously was not really trying to win anybody over, or he probably wouldn't have said that part about the guy's head being on a pole. I'm just, that's just my take on it, right? Joseph languished away, it continues, it says he languished away in prison for two more, for two years. Man, God judges the heart, but man would look at the outward appearance and call Joseph a sucker. But with God, he was in a good place. You don't really think about, pre, about somebody being falsely in prison, being in a good place. But it goes to show that Joseph and myself and you guys, we are more than what our outward circumstances say we are. And you may be here, you may be from out of state, you may be here on a scholarship, your family might have more money than they could shake a stick at. But it doesn't mean that you're in a good place with God. On the other hand, you may be here, you might be like I am, you might be from Douglas, Texas, which got a blinking yellow light in fifth grade. You might be here, nobody even knows your name, not even your lab partner. You might just be nothing more than a student ID to most people. I had some professors where my identity was a number, but God sees you. But God sees you and he knows you. It's interesting, we see repeatedly over and over in the scripture, not just in this case, but repeatedly in other places, that God has a way of exposing the hidden things. For better or worse, it will all be uncovered. Whether it be in this life or to come. So in the beginning of chapter 41, uh, continuing on, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of giving you guys the 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 cliff notes on this, all right. In chapter 41, Pharaoh had a pair of dreams which were puzzling to him. And it says in verse 8 that in the morning his mind was troubled, and so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. That's interesting. 
But guess who has a history of interpreting dreams and doing so correctly? And this cupbearer, this cupbearer, the same dude who said, who said he couldn't even remember, is like, oh, dude, oh, man, I think I might know a guy. This one time I was in prison, Pharaoh, when you threw me in there, I had a dream, and he called it exactly. Like, and it happened exactly like he said it was going to happen. That's so funny. It says he didn't even remember him, but now he does. I've got a lot of questions. I don't know about you. I've got a lot of questions for the Lord when I meet him. That's one of them. Was he, did he actually forget him, or was he just trying to just like score some points with somebody? Was he faking it? I don't know. I, I'm going to leave that up to you guys. Maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to one of you about it. And we know, obviously, from the past that Joseph is not just going to blow smoke at him. Uh, he's not going to just tell him what he wants to hear, right? He has a history of not really, um, he has a history of just cutting it pretty straight. Your best friends, my best friends in this world are the ones who tell you the most truth, whether you want to hear it or not. And it may not be the flavor of the day. It may not be the best news, but the best friends are the ones who are going to be straight with you, and they'll, and they'll, and they'll, they'll cut it to you. They'll, they'll tell you straight. Make sense? Yeah. It's kind of like when I walk out the house and my wife is like, you going to wear that? <laughs> kind of like that, right? Your best friends are the ones who tell you the most truth. And so what happens is that... Joseph is sent for, and he's retrieved from the dungeon. And so moving on in verse 41, 16, like I said, we've just plowed through two and a half, two and a half uh, chapters here pretty, pretty quickly, right? 40, in f- verse 41, 16, Joseph says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I cannot do this in my own power, is what Joseph is saying. I do not have the natural ability to interpret dreams. This is not something that Joseph was born with. It's not something that he learned how to do. This is not something that is natural. It is something that what Joseph is talking about is something that supersedes the natural. We call this the supernatural. There's a word for it. Joseph was supernaturally empowered to interpret these dreams of these men and of Pharaoh. And I've heard people say that the Holy Spirit is only a New Testament thing. Well, wrong. What do you think this was? Right? This is a supernatural gifting by God for the need that presented itself then. And God, the Lord is so merciful. He, this is a merciful thing that he did for Joseph. He could have left Joseph high and dry in prison. He could have left him high and dry, like, oh, I don't really know. Or he could have, he could, Joseph, what happened if Joseph just like totally blew it? God was really merciful to Joseph, despite him being where he was and for the reason he was there. Maybe tonight, if you're in a rough place, you may see it on the outside as being in a, in a bad spot, but what I want you to see is that God's mercy is upon you. The Lord is merciful 
to his people, and he works all things out for the, God, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This is a supernatural gifting by God to meet the need that was present, and the Lord is so good. The needs that are present are not just limited to those that are in the Scripture. There's all kinds of needs that are here represented tonight that God will meet. And so then Pharaoh, what happens after verse 16 is, of course, verse 17, right? A sequential numbering. That's very good. Pharaoh reiterates the dream to Joseph starting in verse 17. I don't know if I've got that slide, but I'm going to go ahead and read to you the next seven verses here. It says, verse 17, I've got the, I'm using the NIV because it's easy to read. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile River. When out of the river, there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. They must be West Virginia cows. And after them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. They must have been from Pitt. And the lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. I'm not making this up. It's in your Bible. I couldn't make this up, guys. But even after they ate them, no one could tell them what they that no one could tell that they had done so because they looked just as ugly as before. That's a heck of a dream. <laughs> I'm sure glad I wasn't Joseph. I got called in to interpret that. I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> Verse 22 says, In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Well, I couldn't explain it to them either. I'm not a magician, but I, I wouldn't even dare take a stab at that, would you? And so what happens is that basically Joseph says, yo, he probably didn't say that. He says, hey, I got good news and bad news. Well, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, all right, seven, fat, seven good fat cows, that's a plus seven. Seven ugly cows, that's a minus seven. I'm thinking this is like a neutral thing, right? He says, I got good news and bad news for you. I don't, how many of y'all like good news and bad news? It's like, oh, okay, like, I don't really know what this means, right? It's seven years of blessing followed by seven years of famine. Well, six one way and half a dozen other, right? But actually the interpretation of this was a blessing because with the interpretation of this followed the direction of what should be done to mitigate the famine. So there was, Joseph gave not just an interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams, he gave some direction here, which is spelled out a little bit further on into, into, this, into chapter 41. He gave the next step to Pharaoh. Some of you that are here tonight, God has given you dreams, and it may not have had seven fat cows in them, but God has given you your own dreams, and there's something that's been planted inside of each one of your hearts. There's something that calls out to eternity. 
And you may be asking the Lord for the next step. And there is biblical precedence here for God not only interpreting what the dreams are, but giving the next step of how to follow him. Thank you, Jesus, for that. We'll pick up here in verse 33. It says, and now what happened is it's basically Joseph spelling out what Pharaoh needs to do. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. He's like, hey, Pharaoh, this is what you need to do. You need to take a fifth of the harvest from Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food later, right? I'm reading scripture. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by famine. And so here comes a very key verse to kind of to summarize and tie this together, which is verse 38. So Pharaoh hears not only the interpretation of his dreams, Pharaoh hears the next steps that, that, that Joseph is spelling out. And Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? And that brings us to this question. I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking us in this room the same question. If we also have dreams that God has given us, then he is also asking us this question. Are there people in this house of God tonight in whom resides the Spirit of God? Is there anyone here that is in sync with the Spirit of God? Is there anybody that is filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit? Is there anyone so filled with the Holy Spirit that they spill all over what the, what the Scripture calls overflowing? Is there anybody here that has been filled even through trials and tribulations with what the Scripture says in 1 Peter is, as joy unspeakable and full of glory? Is there anybody like that tonight? Can we find anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? It's what verse 38 says, what, to what Pharaoh asked. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and as wise as you. You, Joseph, you shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to you, your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And so Pharaoh said, I'm in, I'm in verse 41, if you're keeping score. Genesis 41, 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride around in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. This is called supernatural favor. This was not natural favor. This is not something that Joseph earned. Joseph did not apply for the job and get it. This was God's sovereign supernatural favor upon Joseph's life. What happened is that the glory of God manifested through his life. God single-handedly brought Joseph from being accused of rape to being second in command. That's a long ways, and it happened pretty quick. 
So tonight, if you're here, if you're with me, maybe you are like Joseph. Maybe you're going through a trial. Caitlin, if you want to come on up the stage and just play softly, we'll get, we're going to have an altar call here in just a few minutes. Tonight, maybe you're going through a trial. Maybe you're not in jail like Joseph was, but maybe you deserve to be. Maybe you're in a tribulation that just seemed like it won't leave. Maybe, like Joseph, you've been misinterpreted or you've had your words twisted. Maybe you've been wrongly accused. The good news that we see in Scripture is not necessarily that God's going to bail you out early. The good news is that the, Holy, the Spirit of God is alive and He's with you, just like, Joseph, like He was with Joseph. And you can be like Joseph in this, and that you can be faithful to God, even in the hardest times of your life. And I also believe this, that like Joseph, your humility and your obedience and your unwavering faith can shake a nation. I'm at one of the premier schools in the United States. I'm not at Sam Houston. I'm also one of the premier party schools in the United States. I know where I'm at. But I believe your obedience to God can shake this nation, and it needs it more than ever. And like Joseph, you are God's spokesman or spokeswoman, and you represent the interest of God to your friends and to this university and to this nation. Nobody from Sam Houston State's going to be president, I can tell you that, but you might be. So in closing, I want to just repeat this question that Pharaoh asked. Pharaoh, I believe, knew the whole story of Joseph. I believe the cupbearer had told him. And Pharaoh asked, can we find anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? I ask the same question to you this evening. Is there anyone here in, which this, in whom the Spirit of God can be found? What we're going to do for our altar call, we'd like to take an opportunity to pray for you. If this has resonated with you, we'd like for you to come forward. We'd like to just lay our hands upon you gently and just pray. If you'd like to be filled with the Spirit of God, as it talks about in the book of Acts, we'd like to, to pray for you as, as that as well. Thirdly, if you're none of the above, but you're in a trial and you're in a tribulation, you're in a bad place. You're in a place you wish you weren't. And you're losing hope. We serve a God of hope and restoration, as God did for Joseph. God restored him. And we serve a God of reconciliation. And tonight, you can be reconciled back to God. Joseph who was wrongly accused, was set to die. I don't know if you know that's what, the, that's what the sentence was. And you may have done some things that you deserve to die for, but Jesus has taken your place. 
and we'd love to pray with you, and we'd love to spend some time with you tonight in this altar. Let us pray, and then, we'll, then you may come forward. Jesus, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is here and that it is alive and that you're with us. Jesus, that you would never leave us or forsake us, as the scripture says. Even during the most difficult times of our life, Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, we have an opportunity to give ourselves to you, to deliver our whole lives to you, not just our past, not just our present, but our future. We can deliver our whole selves to you tonight, Jesus. And Father, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us, that you would minister in this room. Jesus, we just wait upon you for just a second. Lord, I believe that you're speaking. There's a young lady here. You feel hopeless. You're here in West Virginia. But in a way, you kind of wish you weren't here. But there's not really anywhere else you want to even be. You just, there's just a void. The Lord sees you. And he can reconcile you and he can restore you. And he can give you hope again. Jesus, be with us. Father, will you just invite your presence into this place tonight? Father, we ask that you would baptize with your spirit. Father, we ask for reconciliation and restoration. And Lord, we ask that you would use us, that you would utilize, that you would give us clean hearts, oh God, that you would purify us to be your body. You may respond.